So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that on purpose at home rather than in our pews during our sermons. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on this Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. You'll still miss out on some things we think are pretty cool, like intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that that brings. Inspiring music and adorable children answering questions slightly wrong at children's time. Oh, they're so right, though. Sometimes. Sometimes. And we won't be able to give you any cookies or sell you any Girl Scout cookies. Travesty. Travesty. But we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. And we're not theological experts or perfect preachers. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that you're away from home or working or coaching your kid's soccer game, or JV just sleeping in. You can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon that we gave on Sunday, which means we interrupt each other and go off on tangents, and that's okay. And tell bad jokes. And tell terrible, terrible jokes, at least until you send us emails to reply to. So, whatever day it is when you're listening to this, uh, grab a cup of coffee or uh, put in your earbuds and receive this with an open heart and an open mind. And we have a note about that open mind and open heart. We're serious about it. We actually hope that you have disagreements with us and are thinking about what we're saying and challenge us. And we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out exactly what you think. And our sincere hope is that that through this time, you will experience a mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life. So Chris. So Susan, Sunday was one of those days when the sermon that you write is not the sermon that you preach. Amen. And part of that has been me wrestling with being absent last Sunday. Uh-huh. Because I was sick. Yep. And I but I thought that that sermon was so nope. important. I didn't want to let it go, and so I didn't really make room for God to say anything new. Oh, problematic. Problematic. So, the A15 service, God love you. Got a horrible. Oh, they they get they get the shit under the together <laughs> version of sermon, which I could not improve on after the oh. eight fifteen service. So I'm so between eight fifteen and ten o'clock, I'm sitting in my office going, "How can I fix this? How can I fix this?" And nothing is coming to me. And then as ten a.m. service begins, and this just goes to show you that there is more than one way that you get good news on a Sunday morning. <laughs> as the bells are playing, this uh-huh. beautiful piece that they'd chosen that was sort of it started with. Jesus praying in Gethsemane oh, uh-huh. and then moved through the trial and the crucifixion. And then you hear the nails, oh, the bells do this thing me. where you can hear the nails being mm-hmm, pounded mm-hmm. into the cross and then like moves through this sort of waiting time. And then, and then Easter and the resurrection, like it's, it was this whole, longer the... bell piece, oh, wow. but it was, and it didn't have any words obviously, but it was just gorgeous. And as I was listening to this piece and sort of living through this story, i Immediately it occurred to me what I needed to Well, that's good. Do. Good news. So I turn to my organist as soon as he comes back and I say, do you have a pen? <laughs> <laughs> and sort of scribbled a couple of notes. It's Monday morning. I have no idea what they mean now. Oh. But we're going to we're gonna go with it. Okay. So. So. Um, started with a story that Mark Giaconelli tells mm-hmm. in his book on contemplative youth ministry. So okay. he's a guy who studied contemplative prayer and centering prayer and all those kinds of things and helps youth directors and youth groups engage in these kind of ancient prayer practices Mm -hmm. as a way of growing in faith, which is an antithetical way of doing youth group to the 
hey kids, let's come in and have fun. And I'm going to be your cool bigoted youth director who's going <laughs> to show you fun videos and play right. stupid games. And, and it's going to be all energy all the time. Yeah. So, so to assume that kids have the wherewithal to do these kinds of practices. Right. That is, they're hardwired into all of us. They're hardwired into all of us. And so he, he would teach people how to do these. And he tells a story in his book about a tiny little town in Colorado. It's a mm-hmm. ski resort town. So sort of like Reno, the workforce comes and goes right. um, with the season. So in the winter, you have a lot of ski instructors, lots of dudes with goatees <laughs> um, and long hair uh, who are all about the adventure, man. And uh, and then in the summer, they kind of fade out and camp counselors come in for right. the season and then and on and on. So this tiny little town, resort town. So it's an expensive place to live. And mm-hmm. when you're making a ski instructor's salary, it's you're not, not making a lot of money. And so... There was sort of this underbelly of the town made up of people who worked at the ski resorts, these young people. The church, this tiny, I think, Episcopal church mm-hmm. of 20 or so people, mm-hmm. all in their 80s, mm-hmm. decides that they want to start youth ministry. Of course. So they call Mark Iaconelli and he teaches them how to do these contemplative prayer practices so that they can start to decide how they want to do youth, youth ministry. ministry. Their priest, God love him, is a young guy who's been assigned to this town, and he just kind of goes with it. (laughs) Whatever you guys want to do, that's fine. So they get together, and they do these prayer practices, centering prayer, contemplative prayer, Lectio Divina, which is a fancy way of saying praying through scripture. Mm -hmm. And as they're praying and sharing with one another, themes start to arise. And the theme that arises over and over and over again is the theme of home. Home. So they call Mark, and they say, what does that mean? And he says, well, keep praying about it. (laughs) Which is a great answer. Which is a great answer. Keep praying about it. Well, one day the priest is at a coffee shop uh, getting a cup of joe and these two young guys come up to him and mm-hmm. he's wearing his collar because he's an Episcopalian priest. They wear their all, their collars all the time. Although I think they take them off to sleep. I haven't checked. I have no idea. I'm going to verify. I'll verify. Okay, you're going to I'll get back to you. Okay. It, they come up to him at the coffee shop and they say, are you a priest? And he says, yeah. Yeah. And they said... And this is, part is not funny, but they said, you know, one of our friends died this week uh, and his parents are going to ship his body home, but we're all sort of at, you know, loose ends. And would you be willing to lead a service for us? Mm-hmm. Priest says, sure, absolutely. So he calls up this group of 20 people who are trying to start youth ministry. And he says, you know, would you all be willing to make some soup and sandwiches for these kids who are going to come to the service? And they say, Sure. Absolutely. And so, you know, in in the theme of home, they put out tablecloths with the doilies in the middle, just like your grandmother's house. And, they do, you know, they just kind of make, make everything nice for the 15 or 20 people they assume will be coming to the service. And the priest is in helping them make sandwiches and get the soup on the, in the crock pots going and everything. And he goes into the sanctuary and he sees 300 young adults sitting in his pews. The church had been that big, but it had not seen that many people in a very long time. Right. He runs back into the fellowship hall and he says, I think we're going to need more bread. <laughs> and so while the service is happening, he sends these little old ladies mostly out right. to the store to go get more food to make sandwiches for these, for these right. young adults. And so the service ends. They all come in. The young adults sit around the table. The older people sit around the tables with them and talk to them and listen to them. And one of the kids notices this rack of old coats. Mm-hmm. Over on the side of the room. And he says, what's that? And they said, oh, that's for people who, you know, need a coat. And, you know, these kids are making no money. And so he's got holes in his jacket and mm-hmm. holes in his pants. And these are like 
the coolest height of fashion 70s retro right, <laughs> outfits right, from right. people's they're, they're, they're authentic. dead husbands and things. And so um, so he said, can I have one? And they said, sure. And so like they emptied the rack of coats. Like all these kids thought these coats were so cool. And, and as time went on and the kids started to leave, they would come up to the priest and say, thank you so much. It felt like I was home. And so that prayer that they'd had for months and months leading up to this moment was really kind of preparing them for what they needed to expect. Because if they were just cruising along and they had this idea of what youth group was supposed to be and they weren't open to where God might lead them, they would have offended all of these young adults. They came in and treated them like 14-year-olds and said, we're going to play games and put cones on our head and it's going to be amazing. (laughs) And how do you feel about pizza? Like (laughs) They would have lost these kids who were grieving and needed somebody to just listen to them. And so this tiny little Colorado ski resort town has Mm -hmm. an amazing young adult ministry now that mostly serves these people who come through for seasons because that's where their jobs have led them. Right. And isn't that beautiful? It is. So I love the story. I love the story so much. And you can take 25 minutes to tell the story, which helped me when, <laughs> when, you're, like... when you're at loose ends for a sermon. But I thought it illustrated this Annie Dillard quote that we actually have mentioned on the podcast before. And it's it says... Of both, of our, both of our favorites. It's one of... Yeah. And it's, it was on the cover of our bulletin this Sunday. And it said, you know, it's madness... To wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. For the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense. Or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. Hmm. Listening to God will not always lead you to comfortable or expected or logical places. Isn't that the truth? I mean, the last time you tried to predict where God was going to lead you, how'd that work? Well. <laughs> predicting. Yeah. Predicting is not always a good a good yeah. model. So for me, as we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. which we're still talking about, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. We've just gotten to the passage this week where uh, Jesus talks about, well, he, he says one thing. He says, don't throw your, what is holy to dogs. Right. And then he says, instead... Well, he doesn't say instead, but it's sort of an implied. Ask, seek, knock. Mm-hmm. When you ask, seek, knock, when you do those things, when you pray mm-hmm. and you're looking for God's will in the world, mm-hmm. you're going to find it. Because yeah. God doesn't, and they sort of compare God to a father who would not give his kid a snake instead of bread. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, God's not going to trick you. Right. God's going to give you what you're looking for, which doesn't mean God is Santa Claus. Right. It means that when you're looking for the will of God, God will show you what's going on. And it's We don't, it's sometimes we accidentally stumble over it, but, but most of the time God's asking us to engage it. Yeah, it's terrifying. And so Jesus is saying, you know, do this prayer stuff because you're going to need it. Mm. Because if all of the things that we've been saying during the Sermon on the Mount are true, the things that God calls us into... Jesus says that you're blessed even when you don't think you're blessed. Right. Jesus says you need to live an authentic life even if you feel threatened by that. Jesus says you need to be justice-oriented and persistent even when that comes with consequences. Mm-hmm. You need to be grateful even when you don't have a lot. Yep. And you need to be relational even in the midst of conflict. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing that we're called to. And so we need to be totally grounded in knowing that this is what God is calling us to and remembering who we are and whose we are in God, because there's no other way we can get through it. Right. 
And so this ask, seek, knock thing mm-hmm. is a way of reminding ourselves that we do really have kind of a benevolent parent who is mm-hmm. not going to hand us a snake. Right. This kingdom of God idea is worth the work. So we sort of talked about how this discernment stuff mm-hmm. is really important. And and that yeah. goes for not throwing what is holy to dogs, mm-hmm. as well as paying attention to where God's moving. Right. Right. It's, it's interesting because I don't think we think about discernment, or we don't talk about it maybe, uh, the whole idea that discernment is also about keeping what's holy, holy. Mm-hmm. We think about discernment as only like discerning what we should do. Yeah. But, but there's also a, a facet of discernment that we sometimes, you know, the flip side, discerning yes. what we are not called to. Right. Right. So I talked about discernment, boundaries, boundaries setting up boundaries as example. stewardship. Mm-hmm. So giving your best to what is best. Yeah. And not throwing away what you have on situations or mm-hmm. relationships that are toxic. Yeah. And um, paying attention to the places that give you life yeah. and paying attention to the places that don't. And then choosing how you spend your emotional energy, your psychological energy, your time, your resources, all of that, your attention. And that this ask, seek, knock thing is a way of saying, give your best attention to what God is doing. Yeah. Boundaries are really important. That was what last week was going to be about. Mm -hmm. And so the one thing that I told them about it was uh, no (laughs) is a complete sentence. Oh my gosh. That is something that we like should be... Telling every time, every time a two-year-old says no to us, we should agree with them. <laughs> yeah. One, one of my ladies said, Chris, if you told us that every week, it wouldn't be often enough. No. It really No wouldn't. is a complete, complete sentence. sentence. And so being discerning, paying attention to where God is moving often means paying attention to where God is not moving and mm-hmm. getting out of there. So, and, and sometimes it's where God is moving, not moving for you. Right. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, mean that, God's not moving there. It just or, means it's not your, not your circus, not your monkeys. It's not your circus, not your monkeys. Or, you know, there's a, there's a mission opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. It may be that you're a no so that somebody else can, can be, be a, a yes. yes. And boundaries in some ways are a way of asserting our own self-worth. Uh-huh. Uh, I am worthy. I am worthy of spending my time in good places. Uh-huh. I am worthy of spending my time in, in places and in relationships that are going to be beneficial or that are growing. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily... Particularly if you think about, you know, we talk about being generous mm-hmm. and sometimes people can twist that into, I have to let myself be bled dry. Um, or but stopped all over. That's not what that means. Um, so asserting your own self-worth by being able to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we really do want to love people, we don't want to love them into more toxicity. Right. And we don't, don't want to enable people that. Into, into exhaustion. Right. We really want to build healthy relationships. And so setting up boundaries is a way of doing that as well. Right. And one of the ways I do that in church is that every time I ask somebody to do something, I say, and I am asking. Yeah, which means you can say no. Implicitly saying no. And um, and being aware of the culture of the person that I'm asking. Totally. So being aware that when I ask somebody who comes from a culture where there's the polite yes and the, you know, you, they just don't show up. <laughs> it, it, you know, <clears throat> feels like rejection in our culture. But part of it is being aware and, and being acknowledging that that's... What are the norms? What are the norms? And, totally. Yeah. So then we talked a little bit more about, well, how do you discern? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we talked about prayer. Nice. Good Lenten topic. Good Lenten topic, prayer, praying and stuff. We talked about Mike McHarg. Mike McHarg is a guy who was sort of raised Southern Baptist, conservative, Mm -hmm. loved science, became an atheist because Mm -hmm. he couldn't believe the literalism of of his kind of faith of his childhood. He was an atheist in the closet. He didn't want anybody to know he was an atheist (laughs) because he was afraid of being rejected by his community. So he was a deacon in his church. He played in the band and he didn't believe in God. (laughs) He talks about 
when his daughter was seven or eight years old, wanting to give her life to Jesus. And he mm-hmm. prayed with her the prayer that was mm-hmm. like prescribed in the Southern Baptist church for giving your life to Jesus, even though he didn't believe in Jesus. Right. I just love Mike McCard because he's such a sweetheart. He's so, he's so yeah, yeah. non-confrontational, um, but he's so smart as well. And, uh, and his science really, I think, brings a lot to faith. And mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. he's sort of a tacit Methodist <laughs> in Florida somewhere. So go Mike McCarg, but um, is still wrestling with some of those faith mm-hmm. science kind of questions. And he talks about his axioms. His axioms are the things that he thinks are true, mm-hmm. even if the rest of his faith kind of falls away. Mm. And he created for himself an axiom for prayer, Mm. because even when he was an atheist, he would still talk to God. He'd been raised to do that, and it was comforting for him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those long conversations you have with yourself out loud in the car, he was still having those conversations with God. He would just start them with, I don't even think you're there, but... (laughs) (laughs) But here's what I'm thinking. But here's what I'm thinking. And so he talks about how prayer is not really about having the right theology, Mm-hmm. Not really about believing the right things about mm-hmm. God. Prayer benefits everybody, even atheists. They did a study and atheists yeah. who prayed for six weeks found that they felt closer to God, the God that they didn't believe in, right. uh, which I think is great. So he talks about sort of the ways that prayer benefits you and he gets into the science of it, which I find fascinating. So mm-hmm. I'm going to share that with you. Prayer doesn't have to be heady. Prayer can be heady, can be emotional, it can be movement, mm-hmm. um, it can hopefully engage all of those things, but that some kinds of prayer are just kind of hardwired into us, including right. contemplative prayer, centering prayer, lectio divina, all that mm-hmm. stuff. It doesn't mean that they don't require practice, but if you practice them for a longer period of time, what they found is that it changes your brain. Mm. It works on your parietal lobe. So your parietal lobe of your cerebral cortex, these are words that I can say out loud, but don't actually know anything about where they are, what they mean. The parietal lobe of your cerebral cortex... This is part of my biology degree that I forgot. Yeah, is what keeps you aware of your immediate surroundings. Mm. So like if you close your eyes right now, Mm -hmm. you still know where the exit is. Right. You still know where the other people in the room are. Mm -hmm. Uh, You still know where the furniture is that's around you. That's part of your parietal lobe. It's part of your being aware of your immediate surroundings and placing yourself in your context. It helps shut down your parietal lobe for periods of time Hmm. so that you are less concerned with where you are in space mm-hmm. and feel more connected to the world as one. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. So it does that. Mm-hmm. It also thickens the gray matter in your prefrontal cortex. Uh-huh. Now your prefrontal cortex is the CEO of your brain. Right. It's the thing that controls everything else. And it's where your focus and your willpower come from. Mm. So by thickening the gray matter in your prefrontal cortex, you actually become more focused and more able to channel your will to line up with your values. Hmm. Brilliant. This is what prayer does. Okay. Uh, it also thickens the gray matter in your anterior cingulate cortex, mm-hmm. which is where you experience compassion and empathy. Huh. So not only does it kind of focus your CEO, it focuses your CEO on compassion and empathy. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And... It lowers the responsiveness of your amygdala. And your amygdala, if you've seen The Water Boy, you will know that your amygdala is where your fear and anger live. Mm-hmm. And the response of your amygdala is your fight or flight. Right. And so prayer calms down your reactions in fear and anger. Wow. Prayer does this for everybody, whether or not they believe in God. <laughs> Is that not amazing? It's totally amazing. And so this discernment thing, 
this paying attention to where what we would say where God is moving in the world right. is really actually pretty good for you. In fact, short of eating healthy and exercising, it's the best thing you can do for your body as well as for your spirit. Wow. Which I think is super cool. It is super cool. I guess where I was trying to get with my congregation is that all of these things, uh, this discernment stuff... Mm-hmm. Uh, is what helps us grow as human beings. Yes. And if we're being called into this life that is part of self-sacrificing love, it's mm-hmm. really important for us to be focused and centered, centered on who we are and who we are called to be in the midst of that. And that there are ways to do that. And I told them, you know, we do this every Wednesday morning with our centering prayer group. Mm-hmm. They're welcome to come join us. But even if they can't come to that, the, the adult ed class does classes on breath prayers and said it's even becoming popular in popular culture. Right. Right. So, so if you can ever, get an app, there's apps for that. There's YouTube meditations, which I can't get through without laughing. I'm so sorry. There's uh, anybody who's ever picked up a coloring meditation book. kind of thing. That's an ancient practice. It's just kind of become popular now. You can color your own keychains. If, uh, if what I saw at Michael's the other day was correct. You can even get an app for that. Oh, geez. <laughs> I think this is part of why techno is popular. Ah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, it's a trance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It helps mm-hmm. you sort of zone out a little bit. And that's hugely important. I and I get think... Through, I can't get through techno, but okay. I can see it. Yeah. Techno, two-step, all that stuff. I, I think part of it is when churches chased LGBTQ people out of their mm-hmm. congregations, they went to the club. Yeah. And that was where they found a sense of non-judgmental community yeah. and a Connection. place to connect in this way. And yeah. so... There are all these different ways that you can do it in your life, right. um, that you can find ways to meditate or to pray that are good for you. I even think about, like, like you mentioned techno, but I also think about circle dancing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like square dancing in the round, basically, yeah. where it's a called dance where you're not thinking right. what you're going to do, but you're responding mm-hmm. and you can sort of get out of your brain and into that, into the physicality of it. Yeah. I mean, like you, you kind of wonder like, huh. I mean, they're running. Is a way. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when I'm doing it. I feel much better afterwards. But if I can get into the the zone, so to yeah. speak, particularly on longer runs, like that's very helpful for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. People who garden. Yep. Um, people who that. walk. People who move their bodies physically. Like if if there's some intentionality around that, it will do more than just exercise your body. Mm-hmm. It will also grow your spirit. Um, and I think all of those things are important. Very cool. So that was sort of the sermon. And I and I sort of finished off with another story from Mike McHarg, which is about a song that he wrote for his wife. She wasn't his wife yet. She was his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he was still in the band. And so he had the band learn the song that he wrote, cleverly titled Song for Jenny. Mm-hmm. Filled the sanctuary up with candles. And she came in and they were playing this song. And then at some point he would like put down his instrument and like walk over to her and propose. And then he'd written another chorus for after she said yes. Which I think is pretty confident. Oh my God, so dorky and wonderful. And <laughs> and so he has this song for Jenny and he says, you know, what you learn from song for Jenny is you don't learn Jenny. Mm-hmm. You learn some things about Jenny, right. but mostly you learn how I feel about Jenny and how I've experienced Jenny in my life and how I see myself in relationship to Jenny. And he says, so all of these things like scripture, prayer, these are all song for Jenny, but for God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're not exactly describing what God. God is, but they are helping us get a better picture of how we see ourselves in relationship to God and maybe be a little bit more open to what God actually is, to who God actually is and what God's actually calling us to be. Yeah. And so you might not have a perfect picture 
Mm-hmm. And when you're praying, when you're discerning, you might not know everything, and that's okay. <laughs> um, you don't have to know everything right away. But it is madness. It is madness for us to think that there is not something powerful moving in the world and to be open to that. So true. So that was sort of where we went. Very cool. Yeah. You like this sermon better than the one you gave yesterday? I don't remember the one I gave yesterday. <laughs> So anyway, so the, the bottom line is be careful what you ask for. Because if you ask to see God, <laughs> you might. You're going to get your mind blown. Yeah. It's going to be great. That's true. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleeping Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to topics we've been discussing today, we'd really like an email. We really would. In fact, we've decided that we're going to start telling bad jokes until we get an email. So here's my bad joke, Chris. Uh-oh. Why is it hard to get reservations at the library? I don't know, Susan. Why is it hard to get reservations at the library? Because it's all booked up. Oh my god, it's terrible. Yeah. I love it. Love it. So shoot us an email on sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at sundaymorningsleepin, sundaymorningsleepin.com. Podcast is available on Stitcher and... All the places. All the places. All the places. Just put it all in and, and you'll help and you'll find us. All the things. Um, and what part of... Um, the Sermon on the Mount were you talking about this time, Chris? So we're still in chapter 7. Chapter 7 of we were, uh, Matthew. Matthew, chapter 7, verses 6 through 12. Okay. The music, theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazar. So it's traditional at the end of a worship service to give a blessing to the congregation as they go out, ascending forth. My blessing is usually the same every week. This week it's a little different, which is go out and love every person you meet in healthy and well-boundaried ways. <laughs> Amen. Go and love every person you meet, even if you don't think they deserve it, because God thinks they do. Amen. Amen.